This is Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 103, Understanding Trauma. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. is unstoppable. So today we are talking all about trauma. So if you're not in a headspace where you want to dig deeper into what trauma is and explore what traumas you may have, then skip this episode because it's likely going to be a trigger for many of you. And the way that I work with my clients with triggers is something like they just come up, we know how to process them. Great, we move on, but you may not be in a headspace to want to handle triggers right now. And that's totally okay. Come back to this episode another time, right? So again, as I said, we're talking about trauma. Last week on the show, I interviewed author Birdie Lynn, and she talked about overcoming trauma in her life. And we kind of danced around on the episode, some of the trauma she had. I talked about how she was physically abused, sexually abused, Um, she experienced racism often in her life. And I just said, you know, go to her memoir to hear all the details. And she really just talked about overcoming all of those things in her life to be the woman she is today. And so it got me thinking about how I wanted to spend an episode and talk about what trauma is. Trauma is not something that is understood well in our society. Many times we think trauma are these big life-threatening events that happen to us, like we go to war or domestic violence or we experience rape. But actually, trauma is so much more than that. And Dr. Valerie Rain She wrote a book called Patriarchy Stress Disorder. You may know her. She came on the show and talked so much about PSD, as she calls it, or Patriarchy Stress Disorder. And in her book, she talks about trauma and how we have big T trauma, which is the trauma I just explained, those life-threatening events. And then we have little t trauma. And little t trauma, she defines as any experience that makes us feel unsafe from our fullest authentic expression that resulted in developing trauma adaptations to keep us safe. So anytime like an insult, a glare, unwanted sexual attention, really anytime that we were shrinking, that is called little t trauma. And I love that definition. I am completely on board with that. Many times in my coaching practice with my clients, I'm helping them heal a lot of little t trauma Now, we do have some big T trauma in there. Actually, I just got off a phone with a client talking about her top 10 worst memories. And one of them was she was sexually molested. So obviously, big T trauma there, right? But either way, we are carrying around this trauma. And so it's extremely important to just realize that and to then know, what do I do with this? Okay, 
So if you're still not on board of like, okay, maybe I don't have any trauma, I'm not quite sure. Here are some telltale signs that you have some sort of trauma that you need to heal. First is not being in touch with your desires, feeling disconnected from your body, experiencing anxiety or depression, overthinking and doubting yourself, feeling like a victim, being reactive, not being in touch with your emotions or having emotions altogether, like you're just completely numbed out, you're people pleasing, wanting to control things you can't control, i.e. anything other than you, because as you may know, the only thing we can control is ourselves, having perfectionistic tendencies, feeling what feels like blocked or stuck is the way you would describe it, feeling disconnected from loved ones. Like even if you're physically present with them, you're just not able to connect on an emotional level. Feeling like you're going through the motions of life versus experiencing pleasure and deep fulfillment and excitement in life. Not being creative or imaginative and just feeling dead inside. Okay. So if you experience any of that, then you likely have some trauma to heal. Pretty crazy, right? And so again, today I want to dig deeper into this and allow you to fully understand what trauma is and how to overcome this. I'm going to be leaning on the patriarchy stress disorder book from Dr. Valerie Rain often, because again, I think she defines it so well in her book. Now in her book, she's obviously taking trauma and putting it under the lens of the patriarchy, but it's a broad definition that you can take what she defines trauma as. And then I'm also going to be referencing the book that I read, I think it was in 2019, called The Body Keeps Score. And again, an amazing book about understanding trauma. All right. So I know it's not always the most comfortable topic to talk about trauma. I must admit, even myself, I'm like, oh, great. Today's the day I record the episode on trauma. Like our brains hate this stuff. So just know if you feel uncomfortable just listening to this stuff, just know that's the brain. The brain doesn't like to feel these quote unquote negative, uncomfortable emotions. It would rather avoid it. But again, if you're experiencing some of those signs that I just mentioned, that long list, you have unresolved trauma. And a lot of times we think, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to go through months or years of therapy and it's gonna be so painful and so oh, such a drag. And it doesn't have to be that way. With my coaching clients, we have that one call. Sometimes it goes into two, depending on how many you know memories they have. But we're talking about their top 10 worst memories. And then we move on. And what happens is then the coaching process itself, how it's designed, is teaching them how to heal that stuff naturally. So they don't have to sit there and just, you know, talk about these stories over and over and over again. And they don't feel the same feelings over and over and over again. We expose it. And then they start to heal it. And then within a few weeks, they've moved on and they feel healed by it. Now, of course, it's an ongoing process, especially for the brain to soak up all of that work, but it happens pretty quickly. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm somebody who does not like a slow, painful process at all. And so I don't know where I'd be without the coaching process that I teach because I, I just cannot stand like talking about things and then re-talking and talking and talking and talking again about it. And again, it's like I didn't have this horrible childhood, um, it, but yet I experienced trauma a lot. And part of that is because so many of us, myself included, have a really sensitive brain. 
So there has been research that's come out that says there are two types of brains in essence. One brain, they, they compare it to flowers, and I forget the flowers they compared it to, but one brain in essence is more sensitive than the other. And so some of us just have sensitive brains, like more, more along the lines of like saying sensitive nervous systems. So if you're somebody who's ever heard the term of like empath or highly sensitive person, these are the people I'm talking about. Um, if you haven't heard of those terms, maybe you've done an assessment like Clifton Strengths, formerly known as Strengths Finder. And if you have, you likely have strengths of like empathy really high or connectedness really high. Those are the ones that tend to have more sensitive brains. And I just happen to be someone who is like that. So, you know, my husband and I, because my husband doesn't have a sensitive brain, we can go and experience something. Like, for example, we can go watch a movie and he can handle all that war stuff and violence and it's no big deal to him. But to me, it's I'm very, very, very sensitive to it. Like, for example, here in Texas recently, we had a really bad snowstorm. And if you're aware, Texas doesn't really get that kind of weather. And um, we had a hundred plus car pile pile up on one of the roads. And so my husband, he's watching, I guess, just an onlooker who is videotaping this pile up and he's watching this video and he's like, you got to come here. You got to see this. Um, this, the, you know, someone recorded this pile up and I walked to him and I said, is this going to be triggering to me? And he's like, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. Well, you backtrack. He didn't even say anything. And then start showing me the video. And I'm like, I can't watch this. Like, this is traumatizing to me. Um, and so again, like I'm super sensitive to trauma. Um, again, if we're just looking at that definition of, you know, experiencing, a life-threatening event, even even if I'm not in it, because I'm so sensitive, it's like I'm feeling forever who's in that event. And then two, it's just any moment that makes me feel unsafe. And I just, my brain highly wires around that. And so many of my clients are like that. We just have sensitive brains. So regardless, again, if you have a sensitive brain or not, you likely just have some trauma to heal. All right, so let's dig deeper into what trauma is. Well, we talked about big T trauma and little t trauma, but anytime you are experiencing emotional trigger, so emotional triggers are any quote unquote negative emotion of more than seven seconds. Yes, seven seconds, my friend, then you have some unresolved trauma. So your body then is going to go into fight flight or freeze when you experience this. So that's why many times something will happen to us. Say we get cut off while we're driving. Maybe we get cut off. We're angered for a few seconds. We move on. But if we're angered for more than those seven seconds and we start like really getting fired up about it, we might get into fight mode and then want to go cut them off and give them the finger or whatever. We may go into freeze mode when we get cut off and experience that trigger. We may go into flight of like, let me get out of here. That's usually how I happen. If someone cuts me off, I feel it. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm getting away from this person. They seem a little crazy. Um, so what happens is that a threat enters the brain. There's a siren that goes off in essence of like threat, threat, threat. Our nervous system goes into drive and then it decides, am I going to fight, flight, or freeze in that moment? Okay. So again, 
a lot of people, they just think, oh, I got reactive because XYZ thing happened to me and it was their fault that I got cut off or they said this thing to me or this thing happened. And that's why I got reactive as, you know, again, if you listen avidly to the show and especially if you're a client of mine, you know, circumstances do not create our feelings. It's our thoughts that create our feelings. And so there's some sort of thought that's popping up in your brain to make you feel whatever feeling you're feeling and hold on to that for more than seven seconds, okay? So just keep that in mind. If anytime you're experiencing something, you know, again, quote unquote negative for seven seconds, that says, hey, I have something deeper here. So with my clients, what I teach them is when that happens is to look, okay, what could be deeper here, okay? So recently, my husband was just bothering me about something. So in Texas, too, I mentioned the snowstorm. And last week, we didn't have power. And it was a little crazy. And um, there were just moments he was just really bothering me. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why is he bothering you, Lindsay? Like, why are you so, you know, are, you know, wound up about this? And um, then I had to dig deeper of like, okay, what's really going on here? And it really isn't most of the time that we're mad or upset at the person in front of us, it's from something so much deeper than that. And typically it's from childhood. And according to the brain research, childhood really goes into our mid to late 20s because that's when our brain is highly emotional and it doesn't really regulate out until that those late 20s in our life. And so we're programming in all of these things that have happened to us in a highly emotional way. And so, of course, we're going to have trauma, right? Think about it. Like, all these highly emotional things are programmed in that brain. And so then, you know, again, nine times out of ten, it goes back to something so much deeper. And that is typically the case. And so you want to start to explore that when you are charged of what could be something deeper here. The other thing I want to touch on is there are lots of different types of trauma. We did talk about big T and little t trauma, but there's also conscious trauma. So trauma, you know, that you have and you need to heal. So for example, if you were sexually abused, it's like, I know that was trauma. And I know that this is something that I need to heal in my life because it was a very scary moment for me. But there's also subconscious trauma. So a lot of times this is trauma our brain has blocked out, especially if it happened to us very early on in life or it was very highly traumatic. Or if it goes back to that big T, little T trauma definition of just anytime you were shrinking, you know, those aren't big sirens to the brain per se. And our society doesn't look at trauma in that light. And so we may not even think that that's trauma. And two, it may not be these big moments, but just these little moments over and over and over and over again. Like for me in my childhood, my mom was just highly reactive and I just grew up, I I knew it was a little weird and off because I didn't see other people's parents like that, but I grew up with it so much that I was just used to at any moment she would go off. It was like walking on eggshells around her. And so I just you know, adapted to that. And I didn't think much of it. And so it wasn't until I looked deeper into that of like, wow, this is definitely some trauma in my life, but it was definitely in my subconscious brain for a long time. Another kind of trauma is intergenerational trauma. So we talked about this on an episode where I interviewed Joanna Lynn many, many weeks ago, months ago now on the show. And she talked about that the research now shows that we 
um, in essence, pass down trauma in our DNA. And so they've done studies like with rats about cherry blossoms and they have exposed them to the smell of cherry blossoms and then they have shocked them. And then when they have rat babies, the rat babies will automatically get nervous just smelling cherry blossoms because they've passed that that DNA. And so they've been able to study this with humans as well with Holocaust survivors. And they're finding that the lineage of Holocaust survivors, they have the same trauma adaptations as people, you know, like their parents and grandparents and so on, even though they didn't experience that incident, you know, themselves. So we also have that at play. And I am looking at that with my clients as well. We do a whole week where we're looking at family patterns and they're telling me about their parents and, you know, what their parents went through and their grandparents and things of that sort. So we're able to open that lens a little bit more. And then two, of course, if you are somebody here in the States and you are Black, you likely have intergenerational trauma from slavery. Um, and two, you know, a lot of different immigrants. Like I just got off the phone with a client. Her parents are from um, a Latin American country. And so, you know, what was going on when her parents were there for them to leave and immigrate here to the U.S.? And so we've got to look at that, right? So there's that piece of trauma. Then there is just widely accepted cultural trauma. So this goes into the lens of like what Dr. Dr. Valerie Rain talks about in her patriarchy stress disorder book, where she's saying, okay, we just widely accept to treat women in these ways. And so we don't question it because society has just said, hey, this is appropriate. Like, for example, we're walking down the street, we get catcalled. As women, we're just supposed to be like, okay, this is just like what we do and how we handle it and no big deal, right? Or as women, we go out by ourselves, we know is like, is some dude going to come around the corner and, you know, attack me? So that's why many of us carry pepper spray or, you know, have to take self-defense classes or just have that overall nervousness because we're just kind of widely accept, oh, that's just part of society, right? We're talking about this more and more with people of color and these little microaggressions that they're getting all the time and how they are held back in their lives because of racism, be it covert or overt racism, and how, you know, again, we're just widely accepted to go up to somebody and say, well, where are you from? And, oh, your hair is not appropriate here or, you know, all of these things that are just constantly like these these moments of little t trauma of them not being able to fully express their authenticity because they feel unsafe, right? So there's that. And then there's individual trauma, which kind of goes in this whole bucket, most of, of what we talked about, like those are things you've individually experienced. And then there's collective trauma. So for example, 9-11 is collective trauma, okay? So if you show a picture of those planes hitting the Twin Towers, most people will describe it as things like scary, unsafe, fear is what's running through their body, right? In that moment, we experience collective trauma. Here with coronavirus, many people are experiencing collective trauma of feeling unsafe because of coronavirus. Here in Texas, this past week, I keep bringing it up, we had what we're now referring to as like snowmageddon. And many of us didn't have power for days. And, you know, my husband and I were included in that. And we were like fending for ourselves. Then we didn't have water. And then we our food went bad from the freezer. And we're just like trying to, you know, figure out things to eat because we can't really drive anywhere. And so it's like those kinds of moments um, are things we, we tend to experience with other people. And that becomes collective trauma. Okay. 
So again, I just want to show all this to you so you get a better understanding of what trauma is because as I keep saying, it's so misunderstood. And how in the heck are we ever going to heal our own trauma if we're not aware of what trauma really is? Okay. As I, as I keep saying many, many times on the show, awareness is always the first step to change. And so we've got to bring awareness to this stuff. All right. So let's talk about trauma adaptations. So, you know, if we go back to Dr. Valerie Rain's definition of uh, little t trauma, she talked about how anytime we feel unsafe and we're not able to authentically express ourselves, and then we develop trauma adaptations from that, that is considered little t trauma, right? And so trauma adaptations really go back to what I call inner mean girls. In the psych world, they call it the voice of the ego. There's many, many names for it. But basically, this is the part of your brain that is highly emotional. It's called the amygdala, and this is where all your trauma is stored. And so these inner mean girls are developed to what they think keep you safe and secure because you experience these things, and it's like, oh, okay, based on this thing we experience, here's what we're going to believe about ourselves and the world so that we don't continue to go out and experience these things so we can stay alive, right? Because remember, the brain only wants to keep you alive. It does not want to keep you happy, Okay. So then what happens is you start getting perfectionistic tendencies of, okay, well, that one time I did this one thing and I messed up and then I felt really unsafe. And so next time I'm going to really, you know, look at all the details of everything. And then you start getting anxiety when you're you're looking at all the details of things and like you're spinning that, right? Or maybe you let somebody down or somebody gets hurt. And so then you develop people-pleasing tendencies, Or maybe somebody was just always bashing on you growing up, a parent or a caregiver or a bully or whoever. And so you develop this inner doubter who's like, oh, what's the point? I'm not even going to go after my goals and dreams. I'm just going to sit here and doubt myself and spin in my own drama because it just feels way too hard to go out there and do that stuff. Okay. So for me, I'll give you a personal example of how this came about was I had a parent who I mentioned earlier is my mom. And she would explode a lot. And so sometimes she would be there for me and be kind. And then other times it'd be like, whoa, what happened to you? And and she would be set off by that. She was also very critical. And um, I felt like I just couldn't be myself. And so from that, I developed these adaptations of being super critical to myself. Because I'm like, well, if other people are criticizing me, including my mom, then I'm just going to criticize myself. Because then I'll see whatever they're seeing before they see it. And then I won't have to experience the pain of them telling me it. I'll just tell it to myself. And then two of like these people-pleasing tendencies of, well, I'm just going to be whoever they want me to be so that I don't have to experience feeling things like rejection or um, disappointment or, you know, just discomfort because, you know, we have a tiff or whatever. And so I'm going to people-please. And then two, I developed this part of me. That was vacillating of like, oh, I love this, but I hate this. And I'm in, but I'm out. And really what that was was for my mom being in and out. And anytime I'd experienced disappointment, it just felt so hard that I would be the one to quit first so that they couldn't quit on me later and then me experience that disappointment. Okay, we could go into a whole nother episode about all those things. I did talk on the show once about your inner mean girl voices, and I encourage you to listen to that one if you haven't yet, because I go a little bit deeper into this stuff. But those are your adaptations. Dr. Valerie Rain calls them your prison guards. And I love that because she's saying is like, 
these guards, in essence, are trying to keep you safe and keep you in this little prison, in essence, of these are the behaviors and things you have to do in order to, you know, again, quote unquote, survive. And so if you step out of line in any way, like you don't people please, or you're not perfectionistic, or you don't criticize yourself, those prison guards are like, no, 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 we've got to do X, Y, Z, because otherwise you're going to, you're going to get hurt. And so we need to criticize you and we need to people please and all the things, right? And so this is why a lot of us are just feeling anxiety often, even having, you know, these moods, I'll call them, of what what I refer to often with clients as like a roller coaster ride of like high highs, low lows, of, you know, just depression. And even if it's not a clinical depression of just like feeling funky, like, oh, I just wish I could be how I was when I was a kid, or I just wish I could be like XYZ person who just seems so happy. Why can't I get that pep in my step kind of thing? And really, you know, if we look at anxiety and depression, anxiety is just constantly anticipating danger. And so, you know, your inner mean girls, in essence, are like, I'm just going to sit here and be anxious because then I'll be one step ahead of the danger. And so then maybe I can plan for whatever danger is going to come my way, which as we know, doesn't work. <laughs> like it only makes the present really, really uncomfortable, right? And then we have depression, which really is saying like, let's just numb the pain and let's just have apathy because, you know, I don't really want to feel sad because that's really what I'm needing to feel. But I don't really know how to process that because let's face it, we're not taught how to process our emotions. And so then, you know, you just spin in one of those things. So trauma at the end of the day unplugs us from our life force, which our life force is really our authentic self. And our authentic self, if you're a spiritual person, can be viewed as like the Holy Spirit or, you know, whatever you want to call that, if that's the divine living in you or whatever. But that's connecting us from having this bigger purpose and living this bigger life. And it turns off our emotions and desires and, it just says, like, let's just disconnect because life just feels uncomfortable and I have these feelings that I don't really want to feel. And so the way that I'm going to get endorphin hits in life to make me feel better is turning to things like distractions of, you know, like alcohol or food or shopping or sex or um, working too much, you know, whatever. But, you know, basically just doing the things that you don't want to do, but you're doing them anyway. And they're kind of taking you away from the bigger goals and dreams that you want. So it's really not that trauma hurts us. It's the trauma defenses that hurt us. Now, granted, in the moment, does trauma hurt us? Yes, but that's one moment and then it passes. But then these defenses come up and that's the thing that just keeps hurting us over and over and over and over again. And again, our inner mean girls, the one that that's doing all these trauma defenses thinks she's doing a great job. She's giving herself first place medals all the time. Like, look at us, another day that we kept her alive. Great job. Here we go. And so that's why we've got to do work like I do in coaching of, okay, we've got to tell Intermean Girl to slow it down. Like she's in the driver's seat of your brain. We need to get her in the back seat because she does have a purpose. We do want her showing us things that are unsafe. So we do stay alive, but she's way over the line. Like she needs to calm it down. And so in my coaching practice and in my process, we are shifting that voice. And that's where a lot of clients say like, oh, I just feel so free and I feel so energetic and I feel so in touch with myself and I feel like me again. 
like, yeah, because we went in and we were able to shift that in our mean girl voice. And two, I was teaching them how to process those emotions from these traumas, you know, big or small, so that they can finally just let it go. Because the inner mean girl, too, is just spinning in those feelings and repeating the same things over and over again in the subconscious mind. And we've got to tell her, hey, we don't need it anymore. Okay. The last thing I want to say here about trauma is if you find, I said this earlier, but if you find yourself really disconnecting from your body, um, and I know this is very common, especially for Enneagram fives, which I am an Enneagram five, you disconnect from your body and you're in your head a lot, just know that's a trauma defense mechanism. Okay. So I encountered this with a lot of women. It's not just Enneagram fives. I see a lot with Enneagram ones even, um, of just wanting to be in their head all the time. And that's why I said earlier, not being connected to your body and even overthinking or trauma defenses. So just be aware of that. And that's why it's so important to do not only mindset work to see what's going on in your mind, but body work. And here on the show, in a couple episodes, I'm going to bring somebody on who I'm actually working with, who I've actually brought into my coaching practice. Her name is Casey Joy, and she does body work. And so we're going to talk together about how we're able to help heal people from doing what's considered top-down work, which is what I do with mindset work. So basically taking your head down to your body and then bottom-up work, which is her body work. So look forward to that. There's more resources and help coming your way. As I said, the two books that I have referred to often here in this episode for resources and guidance is Patriarchy Stress Disorder and The Body Keeps Score. Both of those will be in the show notes. But overall, I hope this episode opened your eyes and allowed you to start to understand, I can't even get that out, understand trauma more so that you can be aware of what's going on inside of you and know it's not this you know, horrible thing and the hard thing to overcome, but you can start taking steps to feeling better. And I gave you some of those little basic steps of how you can start to move forward in your life. So that's it for this episode, my friend. I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Hey there, Miss Unstoppable. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Send them a picture of this episode via text, via email, share it on social media. I'm sure they would be so appreciative to know these strategies and tips on how to accomplish your dreams. If you are ready to guarantee you're going to accomplish your goals and dreams, then it's time to start coaching with me. In my nine-month simple success coaching system, I am going to walk you every single step of the way to ensure that you get the goals and dreams that you want. The first step is to apply for a free 60-minute consult call. Just go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash apply to get started. As always, my friend, remember... You're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.